Equipping speakers to make an impact. It's the Key 5 Podcast for speakers by speakers with your host, Robert Ferguson. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast for speakers by speakers. For show notes and to get free stuff, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Graham Newell, a researcher, speaker, and author who guides businesses in finding and implementing their authentic business purpose. He's also the co-author of the book, Red Goldfish. Let's get started. Hello, Robert. Hey, Graham. Great to have you with us here. So tell us, how did you get started in the speaking business? Robert, I was a trainer for a, a lot of years and basically what was going in doing um, just uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of, of trainings with small groups, uh, mainly in, in the media industry. And it was just fantastic practice to be a, a speaker. All those hours and hours and hours that I spent uh, presenting in, in front of groups um, really gave me a wonderful skill to think on the fly, to, to be able to get comfortable up there. And then one day somebody came to me and kind of went, hey, how would you like to do a, you know, a speech for? at an event and I thought well I probably could do that and what was great is I went to the event and all of those years and years of just being a trainer on the front line um, made the difference where I, I was able to pick it up pretty quickly I think it's something that teachers would also have it as well all those years that they spent in front of classrooms speaking I think they would be amazing speakers as well so it was just all about a lot of repetition for me <laughs> well that's awesome I have found many speakers uh, either have a natural bent for teaching or training and so it looks like that's in your background too so Graham there's uh, I often like to highlight you know the, the great things that we've done and yet I think we learn more from our mistakes are there some big mistakes you see other speakers make or maybe even yourself that you've lived through you know, the biggest thing that, that I would say with, with a lot of the speakers that, that I see, and I've, I've done a little bit of coaching over, over the course of the years, is they don't properly think about the business of speaking, and, and this is a business, and it's really critical that you have a very defined and specific revenue model. Um, I see so many speakers get, get into it because they have an amazing message that, that they want to say, and they're just on fire with the idea of getting up in, in front of people and, and talking about it, which is fantastic if you don't need to make a living at it, but most of us do. And so one of the biggest mistakes that, that I see is that people don't work through a revenue model and really just figure that the, the gigs will come. Most of speaking is selling. <laughs> most of, of what you're going to spend your time doing, 95% of it is cold calling, is talking to people, is doing PR, is being on, on social media. And if that's not something that you enjoy doing, then speaking's probably not for you. The speaking part of it is actually just a very minor part. Absolutely. That strikes me then. I'm going to assume that you, in addition to paid speaking, probably also do some uh, unpaid gigs as well? Oh, I do a tremendous number of un unpaid gigs for two reasons. One, practice, just getting up in front of people and, you know, rehearsing material. So I'll call up the rotary guys and basically, you know, there'd be like me and six guys at a, you know, at a bad rubber chicken dinner and I'll give them the, the speech there, but they give me an opportunity to practice and, and rehearse on that. I also do a tremendous number of, of gigs that are free because my revenue model is about getting in front of uh, people who have money that they 
can pay me for consulting. So I have a very different model than, than most in that what I do is I'll do a lot of, of speaking that has no fee at all to it. If there's a great qualified audience behind it that will hire me for research or training or something like that. I spent a lot of time building a mo revenue model that was about using speaking as a publicity vehicle and not as a living. Makes a lot of sense to me. So let's say you've got an upcoming presentation, either as a paid gig or even a free. What do you go through? What's the process you follow in developing your presentation? For me, what I try to do is to take existing material that I've already presented on social and to just sort of beef that up. So I'm a video guy and I do little three-minute uh, video vlogs and that's my opportunity to, to develop nice little segments that you know go for just a, a minute or two i'll put those to, together really do my, my research get some you know some great content some wonderful stories and then when i'm ready to do the, the speech what i'll typically do is, is take a lot of those and put them together put them into a central theme as i develop my social media content i develop it along a central theme that i know that i'll have 10 or 12 you know nice little 3 minute things that i could piece together throw some out keep some some in and develop a full presentation around it so most of my social media and vlogging is just a big rehearsal for speaking for speaking <laughs> It sounds to me, and I'm going to guess, you probably have a library of all these little snippets that you could put together in for speeches. I've done hundreds of them, and you know, I've I've got all of these great little vlog pieces that I'm constantly recycling and going. Oh yeah, that would work re really well to demonstrate a, a concept here. But you know, what I really try to do as far as my my speeches is to break them down into something manageable. As you're creating this content, if you can create something that just does two or three minutes and and does it well, and then moves on to the next thing, before you know it, you've got an entire presentation. Graham, it strikes me then if you were in a, let's say, an hour-long presentation and something happens that it's cut to 30 minutes, I'm going to guess you can quickly identify which pieces of your presentation you could pull out to stay within the 30 minutes. Absolutely. You know, this happens all the, the time, particularly when you get that rude speaker in front of you who decides to take another half hour. And, you know, the, the, the meeting planner will come to you and kind of go, could you do that hour speech in 15 minutes? Well, that's really about, about thinking through exactly what will be there. So each one of my speeches has very specific landmarks in it. And I, I even have shorter versions of them, the, the, the perfect 20-minute version that, that's ready to go. It's really all about that amazing planning. I always try to, to get to the speech at least two or three hours before it actually happens. And I just sit around in the back or, you know, do whatever needs to be done because I can tell exactly what the itinerary is and be, be ready to go. A tremendous amount of bad technical stuff happens all the time and you've got to be ready for that. So for me, I've got a triple redundant system where um, my, my videos are very important in my presentation. So I have my initial speech. I have a second laptop that I give to the person at the back of the room that's completely re ready to go. And then I have a third laptop that is set up with a projector in the front of, of the room that has just a little piece of paper in front of the projector. If both of those two systems crap out, I simply pull the paper off and it shines right on the screen and is ready to go. And as a fourth level of redundancy, I have the whole thing on the web. <laughs> and I've made it to the fourth level of redundancy in, in my career. Really? Oh, my yes. goodness. <laughs> 
Well, you're the first one who I've heard ever talk about that level of redundancy, but wow, talk about being prepared. So as you're preparing now to deliver the speech, you've talked about the technical preparation. What sort of things do you go as you personally prepare to deliver that speech? What I you know, try to do is just do the speech over and over and over again as you get more comfortable with it, as th that ability to, to really make it rote. That's the most important thing that, that you can do. And again, I'll, I'll always try to go to that rotary meeting or something like that where I can get that feedback and tell exactly what part of this, you know, Adam giggling back in the back aisles and what part were, were they quiet about? Just doing that. You can do that through, you know, groups like, um, you know, associations. You, you can do it through, um, you know, small companies that, that may want to have you come in. I've just got a whole group of people that, that I go, hey, can I just come and give you a speech? And that's my opportunity to really practice and, and get it right. So that when I do get that, you know, that big gig with several thousand people, I'm, I'm ready to go. Fascinating. That's awesome. And it also sounds you're being very analytical in, in your approach of, of assessing afterwards of what worked and what didn't. Uh, what sort of things are you doing then to build your speaking business? You know, for me, it's it's really all about getting out and networking as, as much as I, I can. Um, I find I get a tremendous number of referrals from other speakers. So being a support community for them, I have this gigantic library of, of examples that, that I that I keep. I've got upwards of about 60,000 commercials, you know, stories, things like that, that that I use. I always try to offer that up to other speakers because they're looking for great content as, as well. So... Um, really networking with other uh, other speakers and being active within associations being able to call up those association directors and be that pinch hitter when when something falls through is is a very good way to, to get a, a lot of business but it, it really comes down to a lot of communication and frankly I do a lot of cold calling I'll call up those associations a lot of people just sort of wait for the world to come to, to your door I'm a big believer in rifle shot you've <laughs> got to find that person who can hire you and you've got to call them. You've got to stalk them on social media. You've got to find those people that will make the, the difference for you getting a gig or not getting a gig. Clearly identify who they are and have a small group of maybe 30 or 40 people that you continually communicate with. And that's done really well for me. Wow, that's, that's great insight, and I appreciate you sharing that. So as we start to wrap up here, Graham, is there one tip or one recommendation that you would offer our listeners and speakers? You know, it would come back to that point that I talked to earlier, Robert, about the idea of that business model. Have you sat down and really worked out where the cash flow is go going to, to come from? What I find is a, a lot of speakers sometimes will be people that didn't get quite enough, enough love as a child, and they're in speaking in, in order to feel better about them, themselves. The people that make it, the people that are, you know, lasting years and years and years are the ones who treat it like a business and, and are the ones that have carefully thought through the same kind of business model that you would have when you opened any business. If you were opening a restaurant, you would make sure that there were enough customers out there. If you were opening a, a consulting firm, you would make sure that you had cutting edge material. Well, the same thing holds true with, with speaking. Being a great business person means you'll be successful and it means you'll be a great speaker. That's terrific. Graham, this has been great. I want to say thank you very much. And as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. Thanks, Robert. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about why you need to be prepared when your technology fails. 
The question you should ask yourself about technology in your presentation is not if it will fail on you, but what you will do when it fails. Whether it's a mic feeding back, a computer that won't talk to a projector, or a remote with a dead battery, you will eventually find yourself facing a talk with an uncooperative, high-tech failure. Having that mindset and expectation that failure is imminent prepares a professional speaker well. While you should do everything you can to ensure success, spare batteries, back up your presentation on a USB stick, a sound man waiting in the wings with a new mic, you should also be prepared to do without any technology you are bringing to the stage. If your message has to have technology to be given, then you're a AAA battery away from being useless and embarrassed. The adage for the entertainment stage applies here. The show must go on. Be ready for failure so that when it happens, you'll still be labeled a professional. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan. Yes, technology can be a challenge even with these podcasts. I'm thankful you, our listeners, are not aware of the issues that happen behind the scenes. We fix them and move on so you only see and hear the finished product. On our next K5 podcast, I'll be interviewing Stephanie Scotty, a contemporary speech coach who has dedicated her entire career to preparing speakers for high-stakes events. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number 5, podcast.com. Remember to enter your name for a chance to win a copy of Alan's book, Presentation Sin. At the end of every month, we're giving away a book. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com. Key